most eye-opening for me about that whole thing was that the Balinese looked within. They blamed themselves for such a tragic event that they were losing touch with their purpose and their sense of balance and harmony and keeping things in check and that sort of stuff. So they got back into doing their ceremonies a bit more. That was the day was around the day was I think that we were both involved with, right? So there was there was very much a um, a sense of coming together, which I think this particular um, uh, situation that we're in right now is also manifesting in the sense of communities coming together. It's interesting. I think the world's got a lot to learn from places like Bali. Welcome back to the Seven Stones Indonesia podcast. Uh, similar to the first, my name is Achintia Nilsson and I'll be hosting for today. And in this episode, we actually have Mr. Terry and Mr. Andy again with us. Hi, Tia. It's good to see Hi. you again. What have you been doing since we last saw each other? All right. So let's let's get straight into it. And um, this episode, I figured since we are still going through a huge global pandemic, COVID-19, uh, we, might, news. <laughs> we might talk a little bit about that and how that has been like for your business and how you've dealt with that. Um, but before all this, I think it would be interesting to get a perspective of what this global pandemic has looked like in Bali, because I think not many people, it's it's very different to how everyone else around the world has experienced this pandemic. Anyone want to elaborate? <laughs> uh, uh, We've yeah. got to be real careful about what we say here. Yeah, I, I think so. we need to be politically correct <laughs> we in do. every way we talk about COVID-19, because that's important. I guess both me and Andy, we've seen Bali and Indonesia through quite a few crises, financial crises and you know natural disasters and so bombs on. Bombs and stuff. Bombs, acts of terror, yeah. But nothing like this, where where actually the whole world gets gets impacted. Uh, we were both here when H one and one and some of these other pandemics, but they never impacted to to a, a scale like what what we see now. Um, but I'm talking about in the sense that like I th- a lot of people have, you know, been asking what what's it like here, and a lot of people I think are expecting like people falling into the ground in the middle of the street and things such as that but it hasn't been right in a sense it's been kind of surreal because it's not what you would expect it to be if you if you were to watch like mainstream news about what's going on around the world and then walk out of here and and see what's going on just outside the door here it's different it's completely different Mm -hmm. you know lockdown to a degree in the sense that there were various businesses that were closed but it wasn't a complete nippy kind of lockdown you know yeah i heard uh somewhere that bali did kind of a accidental sweden in which case we tried to lock down but didn't really lock down well i think indonesia is fortunate enough to not being they can't afford to lock down because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people kind of i guess a little bit like india and other countries too that a lot of their people live from their hand and to the mouth right there's no no savings and they can't take care of themselves so so that was never an option you know the social distancing the the partial not lockdowns but people staying at home and only coming out for essential food and so on 
went on for a while but not really went on people still went out there were still places open you could go to you know a few restaurants you could have a beer uh, you know uh, for some time you could go to the beaches eventually that closed down and now luckily they're all opening up again but but i think andy's right it was very different you know and when, when when you see news and i don't know we don't really want to go into is it real or is it not in other parts of the world but 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 it's like you know it, it's almost like non-existing the only difference is that there's obviously a lot less tourists but other than that life is quite quite normal you also go outside of the tourist areas like kuta tangu you know bukit and these areas life life in bali goes on like you know normal people are farming their rice fields and taking care of their chickens and you know so what has it looked like um <clears throat> impact wise on the people i know there's a lot of you know programs going about now where everyone's trying to feed a lot of people what maybe i, th- I think i think um, one of the one of the things that i see here is a real strong sense of community and people coming together on a scale that that this particular crisis has kind of brought to the surface a lot more i think one of for me one of the most attractive things about living in a place like bali in fact in in, in indonesia because i was living in jakarta before i came here um, was a, there's a real strong sense of community and a strong sense of family here which i think from where i'm from in the uk for example that sense of of support is something that you that you don't really get that much anymore it's like you know old folks are put into homes and you know you, you're kind of left on your own and nobody's there to help you out when you're in trouble and that sort of stuff and i've always got on with the idea of, of in indonesia of, of how that sense of family and support is really strong um, and i'm seeing a number of initiatives here right now to do with this particular crisis where people are really getting together and helping people out which i think is a real positive and a real plus you know there there is a cloud there is a silver lining in every cloud you know what i mean and i think in in some respects as tragic as deaths may be and and economic situations may be it's actually really good to see people helping each other the way they're helping each other you know considering that the island is predominantly tourism based so without the tourists like Terry was saying there just ain't, ain't tourists here without those tourists what hotels are closing or at least rolling down on in terms of the, the staffing that they that they have um, people just don't have any money have so, you have you directly <laughs> seen any um, instances where you it, like right in front of you you see that how how it has affected the people the island or businesses especially you guys being a, a business as well I think I think um, what Andy was touching on the sort of Indonesian concept of Kotong Royong community work uh, is there in the Balinese and I think a lot of the expat community that stayed back to see COVID-19 through here uh, is people that has been here for for quite some time and got attracted to that in the first place so it it's almost a natural process that we we come together and and work things out um, a lot of businesses is, is is massively impacted, and the longer this goes on, the worse it'll 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 get. Um, but but it's amazing, like Andy said, to see how people come together, you know, and and, and support each other. Even though I think that the, the cooperation and all of this, it needs to be taken to a new level too, because Bali now is actually 
in some way oversupplied with food because there's no tourism, there's no one arriving to, to sort of take up on, you know, vegetables and, you know, meat and so on that gets produced here. Um, so, so I think there is a lot more work to be done to coordinate that. Uh, but business-wise, having an economy being maybe as much as 80% depending on tourism, it's, it's difficult. And now we're three, four months into it. The longer this goes, the worse it's going to get. Mm. Um, and I think we're starting to see that impact on businesses too. Some realized right away and they kind of closed off because they had no cash, no, no, no you know, way of taking care of themselves. Um, but now you're going to see, I think, more and more people that has been, had some savings and kind of hoping that it was going to be three, four months. And it looks like, even though it is opening up now, uh, will last quite some time. And we talk about a recovery time of maybe two, three years, maybe even more. So how, how has it mm. affected um, your business in the sense of uh, like, how, how, how you kept uh, open communication with your partners, employees, you, you don't call them employees, but partners. And um, how have you pushed through Seven Stones in Indonesia as a business in this difficult time? I, I, I guess, um, <laughs> I guess we were, I wouldn't say in denial, but sort of like, you know, it's going to be another H1N1 and obviously social media and funny politicians around the world made it made it a bit of a different story. But to begin with, yeah, it, it, it was challenging. It was very difficult to, to see how are we going to go through this? You know, how are we going to come through this as, as a company? How is Bali going to come through this as, a, as an island? Um, but at some stage, you, you sort of got to realize too that, you know, we really don't have any option. We just got to go to work and do the best out of it. And, and, and once we did that, then in some funny way, we started attracting people, you know, with the same mindset. And I think we, we encouraged people to do some groundwork, you know, legal structure, taxes, whatever it is to, to prepare for when it, when it comes back up. Um, so we also had a good conversation with our partners or our employees. Uh, saying, you know, we, we don't know where this is heading and we don't really want to, you know, dismiss anyone or, or not extend contracts. Actually, we had all the contracts up for up for renewal just when COVID uh, appeared. But we decided to continue to extend those for another year and, 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 and yeah, sat together, talked about it and said, we're going to see this through. And I think in that too, that our partners realized you know that that okay we we, we got to fight you know and we got to there's no options where we're going to go no one is going to hire us and that, that created a good energy that that came out and about and, and and people are picking up on and i think it's helped us in some way to lift ourselves and our game to a to a totally different level you know we did we didn't actually close as such we <clears throat> sort of reduced our opening and operating hours if you like and we we made we went to efforts to not endanger anybody that was coming into the office so we were following all of these protocols you know with distance and, and masks and sanitizers and all that sort of stuff and it was really it was really kind of heartwarming and encouraging that you know after we had this talk about the state of the union if you like this is where we're at um, nobody turned around and said well you know I'm going to look for something else or I'm, I'm not going to come in or I'm, I'm going to stay away no, nobody did that Nobody did that. They all they all rallied together and, and um, you know, stood up to the plate and, and did what they needed to do and actually went above and beyond what they needed to do. That's and I think amazing. you're right, Terry. The, the, the result of that, I think, has, has led to where we are today, where, 
you know people people have seen that and they're, they're coming to us for, for for the advice and the help that we can give them you know I think in some some way for me too it was a, a first I don't know uh, experience of seeing our brand and the values you know at work where where you know people stood together and supported each other and you know uh, walked this through together not not just oh that's it I'm out of here and you know see you later kind of thing it was really really good experience at, at the end of it and we're not at the end of it but we're way into it and yeah we're, we're better off and I think a lot of other companies they they panic they close the doors they they did nothing let staff off and so on and and then through that probably lost some momentum and it's going to be hard to come back now it's still not not you know normal times in any shape or form so so it's going to be the longer they are off the, the harder it's going to be to get back into it and uh, you mentioned it briefly in the beginning, but this kind of st stagnant moment in Bali is in no way new to the island, right? We've had instances before with the elections or during the Agung eruptions where because it's a tourism-based area, mm -hmm. it gets very shaky when things like this happen. How did you kind of deal with past situations and how is that similar or different or <clears throat> I guess I guess we we've seen seen a lot and I think as one example the Agung when that had its eruptions um, I got contacted from a lot of press in Norway and and the perception they had and wanted to have was that people were actually you know jumping into the water and swimming away from this huge volcano <laughs> that was blowing everything up and I kind of calmly said, well, it's not like that, but I can see it, you know, if I go out and it's a clear day and, you know, there's a bit of smoke and obviously an issue for people living nearby, but, but down here, there's nothing. The airport closed for, what, two days over, over a year or how long it went on. And, and some of these supporters says, oh, that, that's not sensational enough. We can't use it. And in some way, that's what's happening now, too. There's a lot of sensation and... Uh, stuff going on that that you know we obviously need to be careful and protect ourselves but but I think the same hype is into it uh, yeah I think that's that's also what I wanted to um, get some input on is I think there's this almost trend to make Bali this you know um, almost unagreeable place to live in when these instance when these things yeah. happen and yeah. why 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 do you guys think that is that there's always this sensational news. Oh gosh! I, I think that has a lot to do depends with who's listening. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on who's <laughs> listening. Careful, yeah. But but I think I think the now we're talking about I don't know what what's going on with the world, and I I kind of think it was a bit of an accident and all the you know perfect storm if that makes sense in what what happens with with COVID. It's obviously real. It's obviously dangerous. But I think the world by far has overreacted to 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 what it did. Um, but these reactions and what you see in the press uh, has a lot to do with with competitive tourism from neighboring countries. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Australia, or Malaysia, or Thailand, and so on. They might not be motivated from a government perspective, but but you know, the different different uh, news channels and so on will dig into any sensation they can find to to paint the picture a bit darker than what it really is uh, during all these occasions. Yeah. Well, we got over a, a big bomb blast in 2002 and that was, you know, that was sensational mm. and that was really bad for the island and bad mm. for the whole country's tourism industry and that closed us down 
not in the same way that we closed down now, but it closed us down in terms of tourism for a number of months. Mm. But it bounced back, you know. What what was really interesting about that though was um, uh, the local feeling, or my perception of the local feeling here, was that the Balinese didn't go blaming anybody for that tragic event. Um, like they could have done, you know, the, the Balinese and the Javanese have this kind of friction stuff. So if there's any if there's any litter that, that finds itself on the beach here, then the local people here might turn around and say, well, you know, that's come from Java. And all of the um, the, the robberies and the bad folk that here, they're, they're from Java or they're from Lombok because Balinese don't do that kind of thing. Well, you know, you can take that with a pinch of salt as, as much as you want to take it. But there was no backlash to that bomb. There was no kind of anti-Javanese sentiment. There was no anti-Muslim sentiment at all. In fact, the, the opposite happened. And there was this period of time directly afterwards where there was this palpable wave of emotion that used to go through the island. And you, you know, for no reason at all, I was working in a hotel at the time, for no reason at all, you'd just start crying. You know, you'd, and you, you, weren't, you weren't alone. There were other people in the office that would just be tears in their eyes and nobody had said anything. You mm. just had this energy thing going around. And what was most eye-opening for me about that whole thing was the Balinese looked within. They blamed themselves for such a tragic event, that they were losing touch with their purpose and their sense of balance and harmony and keeping things in check and that sort of stuff. So... They got back into doing their ceremonies a bit more. That was the day was around the day was I think that we were both involved with, right? So there was there was very much a um, a sense of coming together, which I think this particular um, uh, situation that we're in right now is also manifesting in the sense of communities coming together. It's interesting. I think the world's got a lot to learn from places like Bali. Mm. Yeah, I think the Balinese, like like Andy was saying, it they, they talk a lot about you know intrinsic intrinsically. So it's like scala ni scala, the seen and unseen. So you you have external factors and then you have internal factors or sometimes spiritual energy karmic factors, uh, and that that gives everyone an opportunity to look upon <clears throat> what can we do forward and how can we get out of this. I think this time though it 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 it's gone a little bit too far, and it's not just in Bali; it's all over the world. It, the world seemed to have lost, and and in somewhat Bali too, the, the the capability to make decisions. There's this fear and this this protectionism that that at the end of it, I think potentially could kill a lot more people than actually the virus does, and that that to me is a much bigger threat. You know, the impact of this, and it doesn't mean that we necessarily jump straight back into opening up for tourism and mass tourism the usual thing but we have to take step forwards to, to towards you know people call it new normal and i don't particularly like that but but you know wh- where are we going to go with this we, we got to make decisions and take clear steps with this mm. as a government you know bali needs to and there is good decisions but the community business community and all these people need to come together do you think this community needs mm-hmm. to kind of move forward a bit differently than some parts of the world just because the virus itself is not the biggest impact it's actually the unemployment and all the poverty and all this that's going on yeah, i think i think that 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 to me is a big thing because we can look at the figures of, of people dying from covid 19 and we can have opinions on that being old people and and, and nobody's saying that they 
those lives are worth less than others. But as a reaction of what happened and the lockdowns, I think United Nations now talk about people dying from starvation going from 30,000 people a day to 300,000 people a day. And then, then it's like, where are we really saving? Mm. More than 70 million people get pushed below poverty line as an impact of this and are dying from it. And, and in some way, Indonesia will have areas impacted like that. And you can see pockets like that here in Bali, up in the mountains in Kintamani, out in Sri, you know, really, really poor uh, pockets of, of communities that, that, that is going to struggle. Uh, and that's something that needs to be dealt with right here, right now to, to stop, you know. There's a fine balance, though, isn't there, between, you know, the economic impact and the, and the health impact. So, you know, there's obvious, there's obvious sort of negatives to ignoring everything and opening up back to what it used to be obviously there is and there's also negative impacts about keeping it closed yeah I, I, I think we all agree that that tourism and, and and you know Bali needs other other legs to stand on if, if, if that makes sense and I think some of those decisions has already been made that, that yeah. Bali wants to open up uh, other business streams and other other potential ways of, of creating labor and so on and, and and that's all good and fine but that's going to take six seven ten years before it has an impact you know it's not a not a quick fix so in the meantime there has to be a solution towards how do we welcome tourism back and we can talk about new normal and the procedures of how we clean our hands and uh, you know uh, rapid tests and whatever people need to know but but also what kind of tourism uh, that, that we move forward yeah. and looking away from or you know differently into this i think i think actually opportunities will come out of it too i think that people that experienced lockdowns in Italy, in New York, in Norway, and other places, they will, they're already saying, oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to experience this another time. Back in where I was, I want to be in Bali, I want to be in Lombok, I want to be in, you know, beautiful places and have a life while it goes on. Um, the second thing that comes out of this too is that a lot of people now, or companies have discovered that working from home is, is really a big thing, you know, and then people go like, oh, I've been told that I can continue to work from home. Why wouldn't I call Bali home and move to Bali? So I think that the market will come back. It'll be a bit different. It'll be more long-term tourism, more uh, residential tourism, digital nomads, uh, you know, independent entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call it. I think there's going to be a, a wave of those coming, and you can already see investors and developers preparing for that. Um, so that I think will, will will be good. But but in the meantime, uh, there's a big big problem that that we need to deal with every day. No, but a part, of, a part of that too, if you ask me, is the idea and, and the debate that goes on and stuff that we write about a lot, and it's to do with um, quality versus quantity. Mm. You know, I think there's, there's this obvious knee-jerk reaction to, okay, let's try and fill rooms up and, and places up with as many people as possible, you know. Um, let's just charge as little as we can and just get bodies in there and just kind of get things going. Um, as opposed to kind of really looking at the idea of focusing on quality rather than the quantity. I think it's, it will be dangerous to open up um, to cheap, what they used to call cheap Charlie tourists. 
you know, where everything's a bargain and you, you just get a lot of people coming through. It has big environmental impacts too. You get a lot of you get a lot of trash to deal with when you get a lot of tourists. You, there's more more um, impact on resources like water and electricity than than is normal. Do you know? Mm. Um, and I think it, it's it's almost like um, um, a double-edged sword. I think you've got you've got the issue of yes, you need something to stimulate the economy, sure. But if you go the wrong way with it, you're likely to have a, a much longer term negative impact on things, mm. as opposed to quality tourism, which is a much more experience and experiential kind of tourism where people are coming for long periods of time. They are um, coming because of the experience of the local culture, the, the different types of, of eco-conscious initiatives that are going on with food and handicrafts and buildings and all that sort of stuff, you know? I think that, <coughs> sorry, the market too will, will, will be part of that change and actually demand that. I, I think the losers, if any, in particular to Bali and the tourism industry is all the big hotels because it's difficult for them to provide you know uh, the new normal in, in in a proper proper setting they, they can have the distancing around the tables they can have the distancing in between all aspects but I think people will demand much more privacy smaller villas boutique concepts and so on uh, coming back being domestic or, or, or international markets and <clears throat> like Andy say I think I think they want an experience they want an experience more to what Bali used to be, you know, the attraction of the culture, nature, you know, uh, being in a nice, nice community. Yeah. So in that, do you see it also as kind of we were talking about silver lining and um, potential other business streams? Is this sort of, I guess, an opportunity for Bali to kind of go forward and come at it with a different strategy? Yes, it is. I think yeah, Bali has that opportunity, and and I know that there is a lot of uh, dialogues going on in between business players and the government. Uh, at the end of it, I think it, it boils down to making decisions and moving forward, and that's going to be the challenge to actually take steps to to create a brand, to create a network of of what Bali is going to be all about. You know, the regulations around it, you know, the policies and so on and so on. And that's not going to be easy. I, I must say though that I'm, I'm I'm optimistic that the market is gonna drive that demand, and I think that the younger generation uh, sees this more than possibly the decision makers and the the actors in the in the in the business community today. Uh, I was fortunate to be be like a distant jury on a uh, university that is into graduation, doing you know concepts around tourism and designs and so on a couple of days ago and. There was ten groups that presented their vision and and, and choice of likening in, in terms of what kind of tourism and what kind of developments they wanted to see into the future, and they were all eco-friendly wooden structures, Indonesian culture, uh, you know, all the right things that 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 what we think and hope will happen for Bali, not just Bali but all of Indonesia. I actually think will gain momentum. And oh, I think the future is bright here. Yeah. You know, across so, the country, yeah. I think it's bright. So long term, I think Indonesia will will come out of this better than, and Bali, uh, most other countries. The the Indonesian economy too. Uh, I just read an article today that they 
the whole world is is expecting a a quick recovery for the Indonesian economy because it kind of leans back to its agriculture and you know old way of life. It has a very uh, strong domestic economy. So it's not depending totally, even though in Bali it, it does depend a lot of of uh, you know foreigners and foreign investments. But in general, Indonesia is probably one of the few countries to get with maybe India and China that that is not going to see a recession. It's going to be a lot less growth, but but it's still going to be some growth. While the rest of the world is is into some very very deep challenges in their economical structures. Yeah. Do you reckon we're bound to expect a lot of different sort of tourism, different sort of people coming in? Just because you mentioned the whole. You know, people are realizing I don't want to be stuck or locked down in all these places. But Bali, or maybe like Thailand, and all these kind of places are opportunities for people to create more stable homes. Do you expect like a lot of people coming in? I I, I do actually, and 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 I I do have messages and phone calls, and I hear this from others that uh, that demand is is coming big time, and I think also Indonesia is in a change uh, in many ways it prior to COVID-19 too it, it, it engaged with a lot of or quite a few other countries you know completing trade agreements Australia uh, what we call EFTA or in, in Europe there's a few countries that didn't join European Union uh, it's been pushing through with something known as the omnibus law which which is easing up on not just for foreign investment but also domestic investment and has a lot to do with entrepreneurship and, and development and now they say July, August, that's going to be passed. So so I think Indonesia has been gearing up for a change already. And COVID-19 might might make it in some way easier to, to comply with that and, and embrace that change. Um, and there's a lot of surveys done by, you know, booking engines, magazines and so on, travel uh, companies and so on that, that shows that, that Bali is, is high on the list. Uh, you know, in demand for people that want to go on a holiday and, and possibly move to. Are you in any way, I've had a couple discussions about this, like worried or what do you think it's going to look like for the culture and traditions when a huge influx of people are going to be coming in and locals who have been struggling for the past few months are, you know, going to need immediate jobs and um, just looking at it from the sense of sometimes culture tends to be pushed back for the sake of you know catering to these people what do you think that's going to look like personally i I hope it doesn't i hope Mm. i hope the the cultural aspect that attracts so many people to come here in the first place maintains its strength and it doesn't give in to 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 just kind of the the hand-to-mouth kind of feeding frenzy thing that's that's likely to go on I, I hope I hope it doesn't go that way I, I see I see opportunities here in in diversifying away from tourism as such I think know? it's part of the attraction as well right Bali Bali and its culture and its people and its community yeah, is what brings people yeah, here definitely I think people realize more than ever that that that's why we came to Bali in the first place and people started coming here because of the uniqueness of the culture and the attraction and and I think that's the that's why the market are going to come again yeah. um, because they want to embrace that and be part of that they want to live it I, I know there's a lot of talk in the expat communities and but you know uh, the situation is going to be desperate crime and so on 
and I think you know this situation. There's there's nothing like it, but but having seen it in in you know natural disasters, acts of terror, and so on, I don't think the the Balinese reacts like that, and I don't think they will. And this time, you will have frictions, and you will have incidents. You always do, but in general, I think this is one of the safest places you can choose to go to in in the world because there isn't a hostile sort of nature in, in, in the people at all. Not not just Bali, but all of Indonesia or most of Indonesia is known to be a very, you know, warm, welcoming and embracing people. And I don't think that's gonna change overnight, you know. We we seem to think that Indonesia is so depending and Bali is so depending on foreigners. It's not true. It's not true. They can sustain it's themselves not without actually, us. You know, uh, historically, there have been more domestic tourists arriving in Bali than foreign tourists mm. every year, oh. almost double. Well, that, that was an interesting aspect to, to see from the, from these students I, I, I talked about too. They were all uh, I asked them questions on marketing and you know where, where is your your clients going to come from, and they all understand that the main markets is is the Indonesian market and you know where they're going to find those you know Jakarta, West Java, you know big populations and upcoming middle class you know they're, they're going to demand different products and they're going to demand experiences and where do they start they start in their own country so how do you think um moving forward into the future mm. this is going to affect your business or what what is what actions are seven stones taking to you know uh be with this new normal or this future and well i think uh, i don't like the word new normal because <laughs> if it's new it's not normal it's abnormal um, and i think that more than anything we need to return to the old normal we need to return to eating healthy you know uh, being conscious being in balance with ourselves fellow huma humans and so on and that's what bali is all about uh, for some time we we obviously have to adjust to uh, COVID-19 and the danger of that and the routines of, you know, wearing masks and sanitizers and social distancing and so on will, will be part of it. But from Seven Stones, I think we always talked about a change. We've talked about a change for many, many years, you know, the need for change. And I guess in some way this, it speeds it up. It makes it more, you know, we kind of woke up, oh, this is what we've been talking about for many years. And now we just have to go and do it. You know, you have to provide a value to your clients. You have to provide I mean, real values like, like, you know, not not just a service, but values in terms of experiences of life and so on. And I think for businesses uh, that we work a lot with, uh, they're waking up and, and, and realizing that they need to do that too. They need to have the proper structures. They need to have the proper branding. They need to have the right set of service offered to the clients and and i think we can help a lot of our clients with that and and then the market comes in and and, and we come a long way there's also actually you know great greater opportunities now i think for different sorts of investments than there were a year ago mm. you know particularly in things to do with education and, and health and um, alternative energy and, and that sort of stuff I, I don't see any reason why Bali couldn't use this opportunity to create its own, you know, sort of IT Silicon Valley communities, and it couldn't sort of develop um, big overseas franchise universities. Why it couldn't develop its 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 health industry to take advantage of the medical tourism initiative that was introduced about eighteen months ago, you know. 
it could it could be a great it could be a great time to kind of get into those different things apart from just building a hotel, building a villa, relying on the tourists to come in and just kind of diversify those income streams a little bit. And I think generally better for the community if, mm. that, if that sort of thing happens. I think that's an important aspect that the kind of tourism we might <coughs> manage to bring back is going to have a much more direct impact to the to the local communities. Uh, and later today I had a meeting with a with a company that has uh, 600 employees and they've always worked from home. They've never had offices. Mm. And they've done a survey on, okay, where do we want to go and, and work from home? Is there fancy places that we could go and you know um, have a better life and still do what we do? Bali came out as the number one uh, you know, choice. Uh, and I think this is a thing that, that we've heard rumors about too, some of the you know, tech companies and social media companies has done similar exercises saying, okay, if we moved our head office and you sometimes needed to come to the office and therefore needed to live in the area somewhere, again, they, they, they look at Bali as an opportunity and, and possibly other places of Indonesia as well. Sounds like um, you both or Seven Stones has a very positive outlook on where this we is do. headed. <laughs> we, we are optimistic and positive yeah. about a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but do you have any, maybe personally or business-wise, any, any difficulties that you've faced or any lessons learned throughout this few months that we are feeling this impact? Uh, well, that was deep. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> Personally or business-wise. And or. Uh, <laughs> Could you open that bottle of wine now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, yeah, realizing that we can no longer just talk about the change. We actually have to go and do it. If not, we're mm. fucked. Sorry, that was a bad word. But, you know, if not, we're in a mess. Edited. <laughs> um, so we need to... We need to just take actions. And to me, more than anything, is 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 those kind of conversations we have in between us and with our partners and employees. Being a lawyer isn't enough. Being a real estate agent isn't enough. You have to go and drive this. You have to push this forward every day. You have to be the change. Yeah. So to me, that was a slap in the face, if that makes sense. And I think you know we were concerned about the business, and we're still concerned because it's difficult to to predict. But but over the last maybe a couple of months it's really been an uplift more than anything in terms of understanding of ourselves our brand our partners our clients and actually business-wise too uh, we're probably doing better than in a in a long time you know mm. so. how how um, do you know speaking of positive uh, opinions and thoughts and optimism how do you kind of continue or maintain that positive aspect of of your thoughts and your business throughout not just this global pandemic but i'm assuming all the future pandemics well previous and yeah future pandemics <laughs> mindset is, is yeah. the only thing i can that i can think of right now i, I think it all depends on how you yeah. think about stuff mm -hmm. right and I think that that's one. Sorry. How would you yeah, no, that, in, one. inspire others to also look at a more positive? Well, that's hard work. <laughs> uh, we're trying, and and I think you know more and more people are, are are listening. And I think we touched on it before too that uh, we're trying to constantly learn and, and and trying to not rewrite but reset how we look upon uh, challenges and problems. It, it's all about how how you set your mind to it. Like Andy says, it's your mindset. So. 
I think humanity has proven itself over and over. We've seen a lot worse than, than this, you know. It's just a matter of how we, we pull together and, and, and see it through. And you can choose to see all kinds of issues and challenges and, you know, and, and you're not blind to that. But in that, you know, there, there is a lot of opportunities coming out of it. And you just got to grab those and, and pull yourself well, yeah, up. In, in the same way that there's also in those same events and, and scenarios and stuff, there's also a different path that you could take and it would be completely negative. You know, the same the same event has two different options, two different choices. You could you could choose to go this way, which is a generally positive way, or you could choose that way, which is a maybe a generally negative way. You know, you're not necessarily going to change the events. The only thing you can change really is how you think about them and how you perceive them. Mm. And how and that then determines what choices you make. Um, so for it, yeah, it's it's totally all about mindset. I think we, we, we've always been, like, like Andy says in his writing and our blogs and, and, and our whole presence in Indonesia is based on optimism. And, and we get regularly accused of working for Jokowi and the Indonesian government, you know, <laughs> because we're, we're just overly optimistic. But and, and if you're listening, you know, we're open for offers. And it's kind of like, like you know, going against a, a bit of a mainstream mindset that oh no it's never going to get anywhere i guess at this stage we're we're kind of up against all of the world you know everyone's thinking oh the world is a mess and maybe it is but but it'll find its way and and you know we want to be ahead of that and see the opportunities before everyone else not necessarily because we want to be first or anything but there's always a way out and there's always an opportunity uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you think uh how do you think the future is going to look like Bali-wise, Indonesia-wise, market-wise, or even people-wise on this island and beyond? I, uh, it's very difficult to predict. One side, maybe you are not going to see very much changes at all. You just see kind of like a, a, a pause, you know, it stopped for a while and it'll come back. Uh, but I do think that it, it, it does trigger a change and I think that you'll see what is often referred to as a tipping point, you know, what we've seen uh, coming already in terms of, you know, more eco-related uh, and, and inspired concepts, uh, hotels, uh, the right kind of supply chain. People talk a lot about that these days on you don't want to bring in food, you don't want to bring in anything, you want to have that in your near environment. Uh, so I think that that will come and every day now we're out there we hear other people and other plants that have similar concepts you know how can you work directly with the community and bring foreigners experts coming in to be part of those communities and, and and have good lives and good experiences so I think there will be a change how dramatic and how quick is is still very difficult to predict but it seemed to gain momentum almost every day you know that more and more people realize and more and more people want to see that change and then it will happen you get into a lot of conversations or butt heads a lot with uh, any of the community I, with I, your thoughts or the companies? I used to do that a lot <laughs> when I was uh, young, younger and, and get into arguments but th there's really no point you know it, it, it's one of these things that I try to and still I get into arguments every now and then but but it's more about an opinion and pushing that out there, engaging with people who pick up on that that opinion, and 
you know, perception is reality, different sets and mindsets. But but I do see more and more we attract people who, who think like us. And that's been a big thing for us from day one, that we want to do business with like-minded people. We want to work with like-minded people. We want to have an impact uh, together with like-minded people. And that, that, that happens faster and faster. And there's more and more happenings that helps us take not just steps in the right direction, but leaping into the right direction. Yeah, it's a little bit like the Norwegian Business Council thing. It's a good example, you know, yeah. Where, where Terry started this Norwegian Business Council group last week. Um, and we had uh, quite a lot of people came to it, which is quite surprising. Within social distancing protocols. Oh, well, yeah, we all the protocols and all that was done and, and whatever. But what, what really, what was interesting was that, you know, not everybody of the, of the, of the people that, that attended, but quite a few of the people that attended, they stayed back afterwards and we were having these great discussions about what we saw as a common way to move forward to kind of benefit not just the communities that we're involved with, but the businesses that could be grown out of them. You know, very much a win-win-win positive take on it all. And it wasn't us driving that. That just seemed to be what was there. It was, it was all around, and it was it was uh, it was actually quite a, a positive and encouraging thing to see. I, I think to me, it, it's a lot like how me and Andy and a few others kind of. Uh, gained trust in each other was actually a, a big ceremony called Devas Rai in 2006 where <coughs> in different ways and forms we, we, we got dragged into this and I remember this one conversation we were sitting in was it in Bali Daily or somewhere yeah. having a meeting and and I was kind of having this thought so I, I can't say these things I believe in spirituality and energy and all of that funny stuff and and eventually said it and then everyone else was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all said yeah. Go yeah. on, go on. <laughs> and 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 that sort of obviously broke the ice, and you know there were similar thoughts. And and I think uh, like this Nordic Business Club or Council is is a similar thing too. That I've thought of it for a while, and I thought I'd find one hundred Norwegian and two Swedes and maybe three Danish on the island that that we could have some kind of community and engage with each other. Um, but that just, we ended up with what, something like 50 people? And yeah, we, 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 we complied with all the protocols and, uh, you know, was a good exercise for Trans Hotel and their first new normal and so on. Uh, but that just, again, reflected that there's a lot of people out there who embrace this and are positive and, and want to come together and drive this. So, mm. again, hey, it's, so, so yeah. much so. I mean, I made a mistake earlier on. It's not the Norwegian Business Council, it's the Nordic, <laughs> Nordic Business Council. Uh, and the reason I mentioned that is because. Out of the five Nordic nations, where there were representatives from every single one of those nations there. Mm. So there was even somebody from Iceland. Yeah, Iceland, you know? Finland, oh. you know, they, they were all there. And, and, all and surprisingly, uh, many that came out. And, and since we've had that, other people have heard of it and will now try to consolidate that into a formal sort of, uh, you know, council with, with a board and, you know, what do we want to do and accomplish with this. And there's been another. 15, 20 people joined just since then, and that, that will continue. Mm. And, and we do similar activities on other aspects, you know, on the NGO side of things and the social aspects, try to get some consciousness of, of working together, pulling together, uh, yeah, create integrity to the programs that we do and so on. So in the sense that there's a lot of positivity moving forward here and 
going back on some of the subjects we talked on just before, um, going forward, I think is also going to be a more eco-conscious and sustainable lifestyle and everything to businesses, tourism, all that. Do you think um, Seven Stones is almost ahead of the game in that sense? Because of the, the, the planet aspect that you mentioned, we mentioned I, in the first I podcast. Think, I think, I'm not certainly, wouldn't go as far as to say that we're ahead of the game with it. I think we have um, become more conscious of it than mm. maybe other businesses in similar sectors and segments that we're involved with. We've become more conscious than maybe other people have, have done. And I think it, it's, it's, we've always had these thoughts and, uh, you know, it's been processed over the, the, the last sort of couple of years. Uh, and what we've been talking about to other companies that we work with, other uh, real estate companies or any other businesses, it's kind of like, nah, you know, it, it's same old. Now it's upon us. Uh, and, and in that sense, we're, we're ahead of the game. We, we knew that this day would come. We knew the changes would come simply because there's no no other option. And I think when you talk about the market and, and how that's going to drive the change, I think a lot of people see that they're living from paycheck to paycheck. And when that paycheck stops, their lives are in a mess and they don't want to have those experiences. So they want to invest or embrace a lifestyle where they can have some kind of security. And in that, I think, you know, the eco resorts where you have your own garden supplying as much as possible of the food, if you're not a vegetarian, you have a few chickens and then, you know, a couple of pigs running around and, and, and you, you can supply a small community with that. So if, if this thing happens again, and the chances are quite high that it will, you have something to fall back to. You have a community, you have a support. And that, that I think, is going to drive and I, also and I, the and tourism. I think that yeah. combined with, you know, the obvious push and drive towards digital economies, I think that combination of... Of, of a digital future and this almost traditional let's live off the land kind of idea I think there's there's going to be a very interesting uh, middle ground between those two places which I think is where we're heading towards and where our consciousness is going towards hmm. going back to uh, what you're mentioning about being the change and taking action on you know, you can't just be a real estate agent anymore. You have to do the things to push it forward um, and projecting ourselves into the future and what, what things may or may not look like. What sort of steps or strategies has Seven Stones taken to uh, accommodate that? Good question. <laughs> yeah, it is a good question. <laughs> I think, I think uh, we're prepared for this. Uh, for a long, long time, and and it's kind of like it almost got a bit. Uh, yeah, we're ready, but you know it's never going to come, and the change won't happen. And suddenly it happened. So I think we've had this, this, these thoughts and these strategies in us to to stand out in a different way. You know, provide the right values, provide the right, not just to to, to our clients and customers and so on, but also the right values of what kind of investments is going to be good for the future what kind of uh, developments are going to be needed and wanted by the market and so on so i think we've prepared for this probably way back before we actually started seven stones you know we already had these talks in other companies that we work, work together uh, 
so it's kind of like a, I don't know, a bit of magic, I guess, that suddenly it appears upon us, and it, it's the things that we've talked about, you know, the, the, the online, you know, work from home, all this interaction that happens, like, try to call me prior to COVID-19, and I actually answer the phone, and try to get me on a Zoom, you know, <laughs> meeting, it's like Mission Impossible, I just don't like it, and through this, I actually had to, and now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. I talk to clients, and I, I can have conversations on, you know, different things. I guess I just have to start talking to my kids too. No, I haven't done that for a long time. Too. <laughs> <laughs> just mumble, mumble that in there. <laughs> Actually, jumping off of that, that was where I was going to go next. Um, maybe stepping away from a business perspective. Talking about my kids. No, <laughs> on, a, on a more on a more uh, personal level, how do you think it has affected you, family-wise, home-wise? I know this is what a lot of people have. There's very um, what is it? The two pathways of opinions that you were mentioning before. There's a positive aspect to it and a negative aspect to how this has affected the home situation. <laughs> I get all mushy and you know, <laughs> emotional now. Um, yeah, I, I guess we all sort of realize time more than anything is 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 something we need to embrace and and live in, not not sort of chasing something in the future or the past. For a family. Um, I think I made a decision a long time ago to to push my kids into green school because I think that was a good move and I, I thought that was changes that was going to come, you know, that eco-social uh, sustainability and so on was going to be wanted values and it already was then but that was going to be even, even uh, you know, further needed and I think for, for my kids now that the world is here, you know, it's open for them to go and do what they were set to do and have been educated to do. Any input from? Uh, no, I, I, you know, I, th I think it's an interesting question. It's, it's. Uh, I, I think it's it's not an easy, not it's not easy for people to spend lots of time locked up together. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's actually probably the one of the most difficult aspects of it but again everything for a reason right mm. I mean it's kind of like what do you do if you're all locked in a room together you can you're going to beat each other up and shout and scream or you're going to mm. look at different ways you can paint the walls you know it's it's yeah so um kind of taking that and then looking at it in the connections between you and your partners uh, employees um I think that this time all locked in together has also been great for opening up conversations and better learning how to communicate with each other and understand each other. Do you see that happening within the company as well? Like within Yeah, very much. Yeah. Very much. The the, the legal eagle team that we've got is outstanding. Mm. Actually. I, I they they've grown a lot I, like, I, I in, in, in yeah. the year that we've yeah. had them there. They mm. you know from the days that we interviewed them, and they, were, they weren't particularly outgoing, but there was defi definite potential and, and attitude things that we liked about them. Compare those guys that walked into that interview to now, and uh, they're obviously the same people, obviously, but, but they are much more confident in their own abilities. They are much more communicative with, with us and with each other and with clients. They handle everything, 
you know we, we just kind of sit back and watch it's great they're and very I think, good I think one of the <clears throat> growth aspects there is that sometimes you see you see uh, an Indonesian mentality is like don't do anything if the boss doesn't tell you to do anything and you know you don't take responsibility for something that you aren't asked to do I think we've gone way way beyond that where there's a solution driven mindset on on what can I do right here and right now to move all of us forward what can I do to complete a certain topic and a task that has got stuck somewhere and you know they're picking up on the on the loose ends all over the place and, and pulling it together so that's they, they very much picked up on the the concepts behind this rebranding really it was all it was almost like you know it was almost like it wasn't anything new for them it was like okay we'll just go ahead and do it it, remi it reminded me very much of a time when i was um, i was teaching for um, different hotels teaching a course called creating truly memorable experiences and it was a course to do with customer journeys and customer experiences it was based around the idea of love, care, empathy, spirituality and creativity and that's what I was trying to teach hotel staff. But whenever I started my classes out with a new group of people, I would um, start them out by saying, you know, good morning, my name is Andy and I am not your teacher today. And they, everyone would look around the room and say, well, what do you mean you're not the teacher? Aren't you supposed to be teaching us something? And my response to that was, I'm not going to teach you anything. I'm just here to help you remember stuff that you already know, but you may have forgotten. Mm. So I'm just here to help you remember. Mm. And it was very much that feeling with these legal legal teams. They, these guys knew. We gave them the opportunity to, to, to show that. And we gave them the opportunity to grow into a particular... Um, field and, 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 and skill set and expertise set that, that, that maybe they wouldn't have found in a different place. I think that that's an exercise we've experienced where we're no longer a real estate company but we have a real estate uh, division and one of the challenges we always had with, with real estate was, was the mindset and the mentality yeah. where the company felt that it did a lot and the agents did a lot and it was kind of difficult to find the right sort of frequency and, and, and committed people that was going to go the extra mile for themselves and for the company uh, to a stage where we're now left with just one or two agents and have been very loyal the whole way and, and will continue to be to be loyal into the future but I think with that too it takes us into to the bone of what we want to be in terms of, of real estate and we can grow a new culture or, or our culture with you know new people coming in um, and that, that's been a problem for us. We've always wanted to be nice to people. So we hired God and everyone and we've given everyone opportunity. And that's probably been one of our biggest mistakes, if any. But that's also been a learning experience yeah, for us. That we, we try to, people that might want to be in Bali and they can't sustain themselves, they don't have a job. And we give them a job, we give them a training. And in the end, we feel we get a little bit abused. We, we don't mind people, you know, growing and, you know, moving into to the next uh, level of their lives uh, and we've seen that before in other companies that we've been that people have moved on with their own offices and so on and that that's all good and great but but i think for us it's a it, it, it's a fresh start on that aspect of it too where we can set the mentality and we've had a few job interviews actually today we had an interview with people who came for that very reason they, yeah. they think we're nice people that can you know uh, give them a base of of doing good and doing well i guess yeah that still stands as your uh, 
main backbone, I guess. Do exactly. good, do well. Do good, do well. Mm. Always in that order. Yeah. Something interesting that uh, we briefly touched on on the first episode that I think can be brought up here again is um, your and last your names. Name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Perhaps we shall answer that mystery. Didn't tell your names. Uh, yeah, my surname is Barski. Uh, means Polish. Mm-hmm. So both of my parents were Polish. Uh, but I was born in the UK, in mm. a town called Nottingham. Mm. Robin Hood, Sherwood Forest, all that <laughs> sort of stuff. That's actually not the full truth, Andy. It's not all the truth, is it? Dave? We'll leave yeah. that for that the third. That could be the third episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, third episode yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that's uh, great. Then you guys have a lot of um, positive mindset then, and uh, very positive, eco-conscious, sustainable future. And... Um, being the change instead of talking about the change and uh, you're open to conversations I would assume definitely <laughs> definitely I think- I, we love conversations yeah I mean um, again from the, my teaching background and stuff the idea of uh, conversations is very connected with listening and it's not necessarily telling somebody what your opinion is it's very much listening to what they've got to say genuinely listening to what they've got to say so it means you've got to be in that now you've got to be in that moment um, rather than have an answer already prepared that you're going to say regardless of what you talk to me about so conversations we love we love people coming from left field and presenting ideas and opinions about stuff that we hadn't even considered Mm. (laughs) it's great Mm. you can uh, directly send those conversations thoughts and opinions to the website? You can. You can you use our sort of generic email address, which is hello at sevenstonesindonesia.com. Or you can send an email to barskelovskovsky at sevenstonesindonesia.com. <laughs> yeah, <can> spell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can reach us directly at the website, the email. We have an Instagram, a LinkedIn profile. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Let us know if you have any not so controversial opinions um, or any other conversation topics regarding this or real estate or legal um yeah or bali and indonesia in general yeah. Yeah. yeah